Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope you're all having a great day out there today. Man, I am fired up. You know, there's some cheesy sayings out there about how, you know, you've only reached the tip of the iceberg and the more you know, the more you realize you don't know and all that stuff that gets repeated over and over. Well, they ain't wrong. It's pretty darn true. And I think part of the epitome of that was this weekend I took a great course on scoliosis for physical therapy continuing education. And I think it's something that, you know, we we learn at a uh, very, very blanket amount and very, I don't even want to say superficial, but just something that kind of helps us to start to approach it, but doesn't really get detailed or as detailed enough as what patients deserve and what should be justified along the way. And it was incredible, eye-opening, um, loved every bit of it, I love I've always loved the intellectual, interpersonal, problem-solving challenges of helping people with spine-based care and all the complexities that go into it and all their different belief patterns and all the different intricacies that exist with it. I love it. It's great. And scoliosis is and can be Right, part of the epitome of that. How can we best help someone manage who has that? How can we help them have a great quality of life? Um, what can we do in different circumstances to potentially at different stages of growth minimize progression of the curve? Uh, maybe even prevent part of a progression of the curve to work with the components that are much more muscular and structural. And so typically in scoliosis, again, depending on the person, there will be some structural changes. I'm not in there to go and chisel away bones and reshape those kind of things and carve out some kind of clay statue here. That's not my role. However, and that doesn't get changed without surgery, and even then it's normally just to buckle it down from getting worse. They really aren't in there shaving away parts of end plates and things like that. Not realistic. Not what happens. However, I love the opportunity of working with people to help change their patterns of muscular tension, helping change the way that the whole movement system operates, points of potential susceptibility, and really how we can empower them to go throughout their typical both daily movements than any other kind of sport or recreational activity they want to be a part of. I mean, we're getting into all kinds of stuff this weekend. And even with that, I'm like, man, like, let's, this is, let's take this, like, short weekend course and let's turn it into, you know, a four-day course, a 10-day course. And they do have 10-day courses out there. And I truly feel like, for me, this is the tip of the iceberg for just beginning to get my feet in the water to get better and better at this. And, you know, it's not something I'm going to, dive into 
a ton as far as formal of the coursework during this fellowship period. However, after fellowship, it's absolutely going to be one of my goals, one of my pursuits to get much better at it. Because I think it's one of those areas that, you know, we can always train our eye, train our um, our hands, if you will, for different things to perceive, to detect, to understand. We can help to train really our techniques, refinement of what exactly it is we're looking for, especially in some of these subtleties. And to take the fear out of it for people, or at least to minimize it to the extent that we're able to, is huge. Because we get this diagnosis thrown around all the time, and, you know, it doesn't have to be life-ending, it doesn't have to be debilitating. And, you know, we can work to make this process less bad for as many people as possible. And that's a great victory. And I think that starts with a higher quality, higher level of education. A physical therapist interested in this area that I'm wanting to pursue for myself. So whether it's Schroth or CS or any of these other type of European-based methods, or whether it's you know diving into a little bit more nuanced research or movement patterns, or even some DNS-type perspective, or even just some of the true mechanical-based theories behind it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it and make it happen. So, just one more part of the journey. One more part of stepping forward. And I think, you know, if I had to give takeaway messages from this weekend to every single physical therapist out there, every single one, for them to remember what I would want them to remember and to know even if they don't feel comfortable treating scoliosis or even if they want to refer out just purely remembering that hey scoliosis is a three dimensional change so it's not enough just to look at the frontal plane and say hey this is what's going on with this situation it's not enough just to look at the sagittal plane Right? And it's certainly not enough just to look at the transverse rotational plane. All those are important, and we might have to start with one at a time just to understand their susceptible movement patterns, their positions of comfort. And I don't mean comfort in terms of it's actually relieving stress in the tissue, but more just truly where do they like to fall into. Right? Understand how system structurally and mechanically behaves and so remember that it's three-dimensional so as you make a change one okay if part if the other part of the curve comes into play again well we might have to put some more constraints into the system to allow for the success that we're looking for the other thing I want everybody to remember is this, the person with scoliosis it's not their fault, right? They're coming to you for care. They're coming to you to get better. So, you know, trying to justify or trying to show, oh, you were sitting this way for four years of your life or you were this, that, and the other thing, right? That doesn't, doesn't do anybody any good. And for the large research studies, that doesn't really pan out either. 
Now, again, are you, um, are some people more susceptible to that? Absolutely. Some people kind of have a predisposition to, hey, there might be a myriad of reasons why they might have a little bit more scoliosis. Sure. Now, and there are examples of people where, hey, they've had prolonged positions, prolonged postures, and that has caused somewhat of a scoliotic change. However, the majority of people, it isn't because, oh, I was sitting one way for a long time or anything. I think a clear example that comes to my mind is somebody who did have that. I'm blanking on the name now, but the actor who played Stephen Hawking. And they were in a wheelchair for an extended period of time and imitating and simulating some of the posturing and positioning that he was in that he's typically been in as he goes throughout some more of his struggles later in life. And if you haven't, right, great movie watch. And he actually developed a kind of short-term scoliosis that he needed rehab after that just through his acting career to get that part figured out. And so that's one example, right, that we go towards these postures, positions that we've trained in for a long period of time. And by trained in for him, it was, hey, this is my job, this is my acting at this time in my life. And that's okay. We just gotta understand that and understand everything that comes with that. All right, y'all, enjoy. It's just a little bit of me sharing a little bit of my journey along the way here. And man, I'm excited for more of this scoliosis education in the future. What we can do with it, both for myself personally, as a profession overall, and then even much more so, is getting excited for really what everybody will be able to offer in the future in terms of for the patients where it matters most. Alright y'all, simply not easy.